Okay, welcome back to the latest United podcast where Larry and myself will be reviewing the Manchester United versus Southampton match. And before we get started, Larry, I just need to get it off my chest. An absolute disgrace that Mike Dean only played three minutes of injury time and robbed us of scoring 10 goals. As the famous Man United song goes, we often score six, but we seldom score 10. We had the chance to score 10, and he has completely robbed us there at the end. Disgusted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, criminal performance by the referee. He should be ashamed of himself, but that's just the way it goes, Tom. Did you find yourself at the end of the match almost, not disappointed, but almost egging like, come on, come on, try and score another goal? I remember when Dan James put it in at the end. He goes off to celebrate. And if you watch the back footage, Scott McTominay screaming at Daniel James, get the ball, get the ball, we want to score a tenth. I mean, to be honest, I thought I was in Disneyland. Um, can I say, when you're watching a game at work and the work is all shit and then you turn on and you see a 9-0 victory bloody hell like that's one way to get your day going but you know of course we want to see more goals we're we're football fans and it's fantastic to see especially because we've been scraping games all season haven't we like when have we really and even the games where we've won maybe two or three nil not with the dominance and ascendancy we saw today so it was fantastic of course we wanted 10 but I can't complain I think nine's pretty good well, a lot of people are, and again, maybe not complaining, but it's probably just the sort of negative nature of a lot of fans at the moment. They're almost, well, oh, I was against 10 men, it doesn't really count, or uh, it only makes up for the Tottenham defeat where we conceded six goals, so it doesn't really improve our goal difference. It just brings us back to sort of a normal average. But I think, okay, forget 9 nil. say it was 4 or 5 nil. say a comprehensive victory, which it was. How important do you think it is? Do you think it's more important from a mentality side of things of knowing you can do that? Okay, we know it was against 10 men, but... Even if it wasn't, we're still going to go smash that team based on our performance. Or do you think it is maybe more of a positive to the goal difference than we probably think it is? Oh, look, it has to be a positive, mate. You have to think we're always you're always more than likely to win this football match. I think I look at it from the mental side of the game. If you're those Manchester United players, you've come off a week where you've had a loss and a draw... So you, you could potentially excuse them being a little bit nervous coming into this game against a Southampton side who, prior to today, you have to say, have had a decent enough season. So it had the potential to be a banana slip prior to 90 seconds in when, you know, the red card obviously does occur. And Manchester United easily could have gone into their shell, easily could have struggled to break Southampton down. They got quite compact and... You know, we saw against Sheffield United a week ago when you've got a compact side, it's hard to break down at times. But we looked dangerous. We got the first. And again, when you're in the lead against 10 at halftime, and take this into account, halftime, what was the score? 4-0? Easily could have taken our foot off the gas. Manchester United, they went for it. They put their foot on the throat. And that speaks to the mentality of this football team. And that's the most pleasing outcome I take from it. It's massive. Yeah, look, that, that, that was a big takeaway for me because so often, and I was fully expecting it 4-0 at half-time, I was fully expecting a very boring second half and I wouldn't have been in a position to criticise that at all because I would have fully understand, understood the players and Solskjaer's thinking. But there was a hope, like a little hope on the back of my mind saying, I hope we really go for this and punish them. Like nothing against Southampton, but it is just the mentality you want to see. But we'll get into the game. We'll try and go start to finish. I forget which order all the goals came in, but we'll see how we go. Um, the start in 11, last week, I remember, or the last podcast, we sort of questioned Solskjaer and almost his strength in sort of keeping certain players on. So that was sort of brought under the microscope. But then here coming into, let's say, another must-win football match, 
and he's dropped Paul Pogba, so he throws that to the bet, throws that sign of weakness to the, um, throws that to bed straight away because I was shocked Paul Pogba didn't play. Yeah, as was I, but it makes sense. He, he's played a lot of football. He's played the best month of football you could argue in his Manchester United career thus far. Um, but you know what? Credit to Oli. He's rotating the squad. And not only is he rotating the squad, um, he's doing it better than the other managers around us. It's probably why, if you look player for player or man for man, we're not as good as Liverpool or Manchester City. But Oli's rotated his squad this season. And that's something we were critical of, say, last year. So credit where it's due. We've got the quality. And you know what? We'll get into Scott McTominay. But. Based on his performance, you're not complaining if you can have the option to rest Paul Pogba. Yeah, definitely. I thought McTominay was brilliant. And again, we're going to start this pod. We'll pretty much start every single point we go into. Well, it was only against 10 men. We understand that, but we're just going to bask in the positivity and just enjoy it for what it is. And on McTominay, well, the game did often, did obviously change after a minute where he was cladded and look, a clear red card. And that was... I don't think there was like an ill intent, like a Roy Keane on a Harlan challenge, but it was just as bad because while he just missed, like he obviously did make contact and he started sort of scrape the inside of McTominay's leg. He did miss and he was lucky, but it was, yeah, the, the words being thrown out there are disgusting, a horrible tackle, which I think it was, and McTominay was so, so lucky. Look, to defend the Southampton player, I, I don't think he went in with any malice. Um, I, I think it was more clumsy than anything. Um, you know, th- there's no aggression there, but nonetheless, it, it is clumsy and it is reckless, and it had the potential, as you rightfully say, to do monumental damage. So glad Scott's come out of it, and I've got to say, he recovered quite well because the level of performance he put in. You know, we've seen Scott McTominay put in some really decent performances. You can debate his level of ability, but. Mate, I saw a man on that pitch today. He was absolutely unreal. He really was. Well, his strike, we won't go through the goals in order. We'll just talk about whatever players popped up. And his strike was unbelievable for me because I remember, and I haven't seen the replay back too many times today, but he has a picture in his mind when the ball's rolling out to him. And I forget if it takes a slight deflection on its way to him or if the referee's in his way and he has to adjust his body. But you can tell he has a picture in his head of how he wants to strike the ball but he just changes his mind at the last minute and completely changes how he strikes the ball and he hits the ball with a different part of his foot, but still hits it so sweet. And I thought, it was, it'd go back and watch it, it's an unbelievable strike. He changes his mind just as he's striking the ball. And it looks like he had that stroke sort of in his mind from the start, which he didn't. And um, he does have that strike in his locker because he's popped a few of those goals. And you remember the one against Leeds, the one against Arsenal, and he's hit one from distance against Wolves as well. So he definitely has that in his locker. And... Um, Nothing short of the, that his performance deserved. He definitely deserved a goal today. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what really impressed me? His passing ability, in, in my opinion, has improved. Um, there was a part, I think it was actually in the build-up to that strike. He, he played the ball, I think it was into Mason, who had a good shot on goal. Um, and he, it was one of those Michael Carrick-esque passes. It's a pass from deep that splits the defence. I, I look. I, I look. You, you can say Southampton's defense wasn't amazing. Nonetheless, though, that wasn't a pass. I believe McTominay had in his locker. It could be that with age, he's just learning to have that vision. Um, you know, he's around twenty four, twenty five now. He's still got his best years ahead of him. But his all round game today, excellent. And I'm with you, mate. The strike's fantastic because you got a ball coming to you at that pace, and that's not even taking into account what you've said with the referee. Um, or the or deflection in, in any case. But 
to strike the ball that way when it's coming to you at that pace um, and to hit it with the part of his, the outside of his foot by the looks of it, um, the way he has. Unbelievable technique and i got to say, a, a leadership performance by Scott today. Yeah, we just mentioned the fact that he always looks like he's improving. Someone else who is improving, not just, I think, overall. Well, some would say maybe he's regressed a little bit, but I think in recent weeks has definitely looked the old player that he was last season in Aaron Wan-Bissaka. One, where do you want to start, on the goal or his performance? Because I thought he was man of the match in our last last game, and this one I thought he's definitely a candidate, candidate again because Luke Shaw had such a great game, but again, it was only 45 minutes where Juan Bissaka has done it over the 90 minutes and the importance of that first goal, and that could have been Cavani, or it could have been Juan Bissaka, whoever it was, was such an important goal because, okay, we can sit here and say, oh, it was easy with 10 men. It's only easy with 10 men if you score. The longer that game goes on and you don't score, it becomes a very hard game. And um, look, again, Juan Bissaka, I think, is playing very well at the moment. And again, like McTominay, over the moon for him with a deserved goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Got to say, striker instincts from the right back. Um, we're so critical of him going forward, but he was a fox in the box today. Excellent finish. Um, look, whether it was flirtatious or not is another thing, but uh, I thought Wambasaka was excellent. Again, he, he's learning to get forward, and not only is he getting forward, he's actually making a difference in the final third. It doesn't get any more impactful than a goal, but his all-round play, I, I liked the way he got forward um, against Arsenal as well. Really happy with Wambasaka. I think he's coming on leaps and bounds. And let's not forget, again, another young player, 22 years of age. He's got his best football ahead of him, and he's got the defensive part of his game spot on. So he can only get better going forward. And it's it's exciting for him because if he can continue to involve his game, no doubt about it, there's a world-class right back there. I just think you say that, which I mentioned in previous podcasts, but you say there the finish, potentially a little bit lucky, like, He's very close to missing it. He comes off the inside of the post. But that's where I go back to what I was saying, where he might not be pleasing on the eye at the moment or throughout his career in terms of the way he goes forward. However, he doesn't make too many mistakes. I think the frustration we have, it just looks awkward. It looks bad. But when you're actually looking at it, look, he's got assists today. He's got goals today. So he's um, very so very effective. He might not look good, but he's very effective. And obviously for a manager, effective is more important than what it actually looks like. So um, long may his form continue. And... I think one of the big stats that came out of the game for me is Kevin De Bruyne has one goal from open play this season and Aaron Wan-Bissaka has two. Well, there you go. Wan-Bissaka is a better goal scorer than one of the best players in the world. These, these facts are facts. You cannot argue with them. But we'll go on to Edison Cavani and Anthony Martial, the two strikers. Now, two, two goals for Anthony Martial, both well taken. Cavani's well taken goal from Luke Shaw's cross. The main thing I want to work out here, so many people have almost criticise Anthony Martial for the two goals and his reaction, especially when you compare that to Cavani, who got the fourth goal, and you can tell Cavani was just like living and breathing that goal. It's all he wanted to do was get that goal, and it just let off such an emotion in him. But when Anthony Martial scored, he just sort of trotted back to halfway. Now, I don't want to criticise Martial for that because we have no idea what he's going through. He's been the subject of racist abuse this week. His wife's been abused. He's obviously an introverted character anyway. So I have a feeling, especially when the dive, he knew the camera was running when he took that dive. When he scores a goal, he knows the camera's going to be focused in on him. And he is that shy character. I think he's almost, oh God, the camera's on, on me now. I don't want any of this. And he knows the attention is on him. So um, look, I can understand the criticism. We want to see players celebrate like Edison Cavani. But I'm not going to criticise Martial um, for not smiling. I, I think he's probably buzzing inside, absolutely buzzing. I just think he knows the, the world's sort of waiting for every little thing he does. 
And um, I just think he doesn't want that attention, unfortunately. I think with the goal drought he's been in and the criticism and some of it, you know, obviously uncalled for, never endorse racism. Um, But in saying that, I think he just, I don't read too much into it. I just think he's clearly thinking, I've come on, I need to impress the manager. I've scored a goal. And it's almost to make a statement to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We said just on, on, on Sunday in the last podcast, what Anthony Martial needs to do is the opportunity he gets when he comes off the bench is just to get get down and dirty and start scoring goals. And that's what he did today. It shows he's got a high level of concentration and he was just focused on doing his next job because at, as evidence showed, he put the ball in the back of the net once again. Concentration spot on. And that's what you want from the Frenchman. He's capable. Now it's about backing it up and getting that consistency going again. Well, not just one goal, but obviously two goals. But you mentioned Solskjaer in there. And I don't want to get into Donny van der Beek's performance because he was good but didn't stand out, didn't really get involved too much in the game. It was a tricky bit for him because the positions van der Beek was taking up was sort of very close to where the midfield and defenders were really compressing that space. So it wasn't really the game for an attacking midfielder. As you saw, the fullbacks were quite influential. And the forwards in that final third were influential. It was a hard game for that sort of player in the number 10 role. Um, you see Bruno didn't really do too much in the game the first time you really saw him was the penalty but just on that Solskjaer and it goes back to our point earlier in the podcast where we're a little bit concerned at halftime thinking oh are they going to really stop playing now and just coast but I think Solskjaer one of his big criticisms in recent weeks and we've criticised him on this podcast in terms of how late his substitutions have been now United Southampton every fan across the world watching that game knew it was over at halftime the game was over no miracles were in place. Southampton, there was no way back. That game should have been in the record books, three points for Man United. And it was so refreshing, so pleasing to see Solskjaer say, game's over, 45 minutes. Anthony Martial needs some confidence. He go and play against 10 men. And Donny van der Beek, you just need minutes because you need minutes. And um, I was so worried that they, oh, we're going to wait for the 70th minute for Donny van der Beek. But to come on at halftime, um, look, it's not, Solskjaer doesn't deserve overpraise for it. I think it was, it was the right thing to do. But he did do the right thing, so he definitely needs the praise for it. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. And that's what you ask, you know. We've criticised Oli on numerous occasions for making subs too late. These ones were spot on. Um, Luke Shaw's played a lot of football. Right call to give him a rest. Um, Anthony Martial, like you rightfully say, needed some confidence. I'm really happy for Van der Beek. Um, I'm not going to be critical of him. Like you say, it wasn't the game for an attacking midfielder. And Southampton, particularly toward the end, got very compressed. Um, but... You have to say, he's going to need time to really find a match rhythm. It's very hard, particularly for a midfielder, to really make an impact. Um, smart substitutions, and look, the end result shows we scored, We went on to score another five goals. So, can't complain, can we? Yeah, no, definitely. Now, is there any the other goals? Who have we got? We've got the Bruno Fernandes penalty. There's a great photo, I think it was just summed up perfectly, because everything was going our way. We had red cards, we had goals going our way. And um, the only thing that was missing was a contentious VAR decision to give Bruno his customary penalty at Old Trafford. And um, there's a great photo oh, of Bruno just holding the ball <laughs> with a sort of a sort of a weird smirk on his face, thinking, "Thank you, referee. I'll take this one." And um, it's exactly what it, because Bruno hasn't been out of form. I think he's been performing quite well, but he has, and he's been involved in a couple of goals in terms of assists and played an important part in that. But it's been a while since Bruno scored a goal, and been a while since we scored a penalty. Yeah, I think it's six games or so since his last squad. So, again, but like you, like we've already covered, um, not the game for attacking midfielders. 
Um, didn't do much wrong in the game, but look, I gotta say, I, I love a Bruno penalty. I know how much it angers our rivals, so you have to say you do take pleasure in it. Um, always happy to see Bruno smash a pen in the back of the net, and you gotta say, uh, I don't know about you, Tom. Like, obviously, you've paid the game. He's the the run up he takes is so unique and it's so ballsy because oh. if you strike that wrong, there's so much room for error. No, I can never do it. Like, look, we used to practice penalties pretty much at the end of every training session. I could, could never even get the Panenko. I couldn't even master that skill. Like, so the balls someone has to do to throw Panenka in there is way above my pay grade. But that jump as well, it throws so many different questions for the penalty taker. So many different things going through your mind or would have to be going through your mind. And he continues to do it at the highest level. So, yeah, long may he continue, but I definitely won't be joining him the next time I take a penalty for the supporters club here in Sydney but are there any the other goals were obviously the own goal nothing to talk about Marcus Rashford scored yeah, so, so Rashford and the other one was Dan James anything to add on either of those goals or performances maybe more, more maybe more Rashford's performance Dan James is only on for a little bit yeah look I thought Rashford was effective without being brilliant um I thought, yeah, I mean, look, you know I'm a massive Anthony Martial fan. I was really happy with his game today. I thought much improved. Um, compared to, say, a week ago where the performance he put in against Sheffield United was borderline pathetic, if we're being honest. Um, so to see the concentration levels today I thought was really positive. Um, the one I really want to put praise in, and obviously we will get to the 3 2 ones, but I really got to say um, with Scott McTominay today, um, that's the performance where... You know, you're really proud of. Um, I think for still such a young man, he really carries himself like a genuine leader. Yeah, no, definitely. He does have that. Well, I remember when we had David May on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, it was off the back of a sort of a tweet or a YouTube video sparked by Solskjaer's comments saying that Scott McTominay has the United DNA in him. And so many sort of YouTube fans said, ah, what's the United DNA? It means nothing. But when you see a performance like that and you see an attitude like that, that's... For you and me, for proper United fans around the world, that is the United DNA. Like, if you can't see that Scott McTominay has it, uh, man, United's not for you. He definitely has it. Uh, it's not about ability. It's about things like your attitude and sort of the way you go about your performance, the way you go about preparing for a game for Man United, which McTominay obviously gives his heart and soul to. Now, well, we might as well move on to 3 2 ones because I'm going to be pretty f- sort of frank about it. McTominay's my man on match by, by a mile. Yeah, no arguments from me, mate. Um, I've seen the calls for Wambasaka. I I understand that, um, but I thought Scott his whole round game, you know. And this is a game where, particularly in midfield, you can get sloppy. Um, you can get complacent, particularly when you're winning with such a high scoreline. I thought McTominay was brilliant. His all round game, his passing, defensive discipline, positional play, good. And look, the strike, fantastic. Um, leadership, leadership. I think. I don't know what happens with Harry Maguire in the future, but McTominay, for me, is definitely a future captain of this club. And I'm proud to say it. I say it with no shame at all. I genuinely believe he could be a captain for Manchester United. Yeah, no, I think the captaincy is interesting with McTominay because, yes, the attributes he shows and the attitude and the desire, yes, that's 100% Man United captain. But we've had that with a few players in the past, but you think, well, will he play enough? Because like, you need your captain to be by almost the first name on the team sheet. They need to be starting every single week. Otherwise, there's no point having your captain on the bench. You're going to have your vice-captain being the captain, etc. So I think that is the only question mark with Scott McTominay is over the next 10 years, will he be a regular starter? Now, very well could be at the moment he is. 
Um, but obviously time will tell. A lot of things are going to change over the next 10 years. And look, I hope Harry Maguire um, turns into a fantastic leader and Man United captain, which Scott Bertomine then isn't the captain. But um, if that ever got to the stage where he was, um, I think a lot of United fans, you mentioned the word proud, I think a lot of United fans would definitely feel that way. If Scott McSauce was the captain, now obviously through that suggestion for three points, so you want to throw any suggestions for number two, two points? Yeah, um, this is it's a hard one, but it's a hard one in the most positive way. Um, I actually want to say uh, Juan Basaka. I thought he was excellent. Um, again, scored a goal. Certainly got an assist. Did he get an assist today, Juan Basaka? Uh, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. I have to watch perks the goals of, again. Perks there of were, nine goals. There were so many goals. I watched the Optus Little Sport where they had the three minute highlight package. There's no highlights. It was just the nine goals. No, hey, there's no time for highlights. Um, I thought Juan Basaka was really good, mate. Clean sheet, scored a goal. What more do you want? Yeah, no, definitely. If it wasn't for Matongo's performance, I think he was very good. And I understand Shaw maybe looked a little bit more pleasing on the eye and a little bit more impactful. Obviously, the goal was so... Only for playing yeah. 45 minutes. That's the that's only it. reason. And it's not a criticism of Shaw. But a lot of people, I saw the Facebook comments, a lot of people have Shaw in their 3-2-1. So would you lean to him for one point or is there another player that maybe did enough? Oh, look, Anthony Martial, two goals in one half of football. Did you really think I wasn't going to give the Frenchman some points? Look, that's an interesting debate because deep down, look, I would probably agree with you, but I think a lot of uh, listeners would have a look at who was saying that. And Luke Shaw has been fantastic and you've said not to Luke Shaw and given your points to Anthony Martial. But I think when you do look at it, it would be hard to disagree. And look, Anthony Martial played the same amount of time as Luke Shaw, so that's not a thing. But there are two goals and I know this shouldn't matter, but it does to me. You look at the week Anthony Martial has had. Look, we've been full of praise for Luke Shaw and the United fan base has been full of praise for Luke Shaw. So that's all great. It's all rosy in the Luke Shaw gun. He's going out on the field with his chest out really confident. Where so no, I'm not going to say a large portion of the United fan base, but around the world, Anthony Martial has been held racist abuse and his wife has been abused. So he's come out onto this pitch going, God, I'm, I'm not in the best way here. I don't enjoy this. I'm not in a good, good place. But he's come out and scored two goals. He's performed well. And um, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge him one point because he's had a tough week. A week I couldn't imagine what it would be like. Yeah, that's it. Um, and in the context of it, Martial could have gone on today and kicked himself about. The team's definitely going to win the match. So he could have been lackadaisical, but he went out there and he proved the point. And like we touched on earlier, he scored one goal. He, he didn't celebrate. He went back and he ended up getting another one. So... I think full credit to the Frenchman, not for what he did just with the ball, but credit to his mentality as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, we'll see what Facebook comments um, have come through. First, Jamie, one of our listeners from Northern Ireland on Twitter. Um, he goes, Aaron Wan-Bissaka for three points, Rashford for two, and Scott McTominay for one point. And um, go to the Facebook comments. And Dave from Perth, who is the host of Red Devils Down Under YouTube page, if you go onto our Twitter or Facebook, you'll be able to see it on one of the last sort of shared posts. Um, go give his page a follow, but his three two ones are one Basaka, Shaw, and Marcus Rashford. Rob goes Luke Shaw for three points. Oh, sorry, no, he said divide the six points between Luke Shaw, one Basaka, and Bruno Fernandez. And again, Bruno Fernandez, as I said, was good. It just I don't think it was the game that stood out because there was so little space, and we saw that with Donny Van der Beek. But again, Bruno's performances in recent weeks, I, I think, a little bit under the radar. I think we look at them, say, oh, it's no goals, there's no assists, and it's disappointing. But I think both him and Pogba have been playing quite well. Um, Emma from the Supporters Club also says one Bissaka for three points, two for Bruno, 
and Luke Shaw for one. Um, Luke Shaw would have got more if he played the full match. Vim has gone 3-2 once for each half. First half, Shaw, Wan-Bissaka, Cavani. Second half, Martial, Rashford and Bruno. Um, Josh, super sub of the podcast, goes three for Shaw, two for Wan-Bissaka and one for Rashford. And Dylan from the Supporters Club goes Wan-Bissaka, Shaw and Bruno Fernandes as well. So um, it's a good one there because I remember the last couple of weeks we've almost been scraping the bottom of the barrel. But that was um, a tricky one to um, digest. But... Look, it has been an extremely positive podcast, and we hope that would continue. Unfortunately, the January window has closed. Uh, not that United fans would know, and it's just an average day. Disappointing, because we've been fantastic. Solskjaer is succeeding at the moment. We're hopefully back on form, but the club hasn't helped him, have they? Especially when you see our rivals. You see Liverpool was in such a desperate need for centre-backs. Whether these are panic signings or not, they went and addressed the issue. They went and got two centre-backs in. So just your sort of... Overall thoughts regarding the January transfer window? Oh, look, Tom, it's easy to be critical, mate, but the reality is not many clubs have signed, you know. Manchester City haven't signed anyone. Yes, Liverpool have made some signings, but, you know, look, they were desperate for a centre-back. Let's put this in a context. They've lost their two first-choice centre-halves. I'd call that desperate and dire straits, okay? If we lost Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof, I'm sure United would be in the market for a centre-half as well. So it's a, it's a position United are well-stocked. And to be honest, we're playing we're playing well. Um, of course, I'd like to see the Glazers invest into this team. But in the context of the season, were we desperate for a signing? I don't think so. I, I get it. it. It's a challenging time, particularly in the UK. So you can't be too critical, I don't think. Yeah, look, look, look I'm, I'm frustrated, but I tend to... I really, if I sit back, I'll probably agree with you saying, yeah, look, it would have been good and we definitely needed it. However, look... It shouldn't have been forced. We shouldn't have done it for the sake of it. If it wasn't the number one target or the second target, you don't want to spend stupid money um, that Solskjaer isn't completely behind. So while it is extremely frustrating, and I think overall, long-term, it's probably a mistake. I think we should have done it because you don't know what a title race looks like next year, whether we're going to be in it. So we're in such a good position now. I think the club maybe should have risked it, sort of risked it to just to maybe take that extra step and sort of cement ourselves in this title race because you don't know if City will drop off. But... um. I think, yes, when you do look at the overall picture of the effect COVID had, yeah, you can't be um, too upset. But any of the outs you want to sort of mention? Obviously, Marcus Rojo leaves with less red cards than one matter. Yeah, um, and with 17 appearances since he last signed his deal in 2018. So you got to say, pretty disappointing. Um, Jesse Lingard, obviously... We wish all the best to uh, Tanan Mengi goes goes on loan to Derby with Wayne Rooney. So, um, that's a good loan move for him. I think um, will do be you, good do for you his think development. Something in there with the Rooney link. Do you think there is maybe a United connection with Rooney and the club? Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. I think he's reached out to his old club and said, "Is there a young player out there? Well, you know, we need to fix our defence." And you've got a young player who, you know, is obviously rated highly at the club, but probably needs some. Football against men, um, and the championship's a great place to do that. He, he's got pace, he's good on the ball, um, he's Tenen Mengi, but he's untested. So I think this will be a suitable loan deal for both parties, really. I think also Watford had a change in manager, which um, sort of limited James Garner's playing time over recent weeks. So he's gone off to Nottingham Forest, and apparently he played this morning, apparently they gave him man of the match on his debut. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, Garner's a talented footballer. Uh, we all know that. And the Watford fans were actually fairly positive about him um, at the initial term of that loan. So 
disappointing to see what's happened there, but hopefully Ghana can have a positive back end to the season and who knows, maybe return to Manchester United and compete in our already stacked midfield. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, on the weekend is a rare treat. It is a Sunday morning, so a Saturday night slash Sunday morning, but a 7am kickoff against Everton, which will be very good to have some brekkie on a Sunday morning as we play Everton in the Premier League. Another big game. Um, Everton will be You invited me over for breakfast, mate. Um, um, I'll leave that off on the table. Um, you're going to set the alarm for... What time do you have set the alarm for? 6.30? Can I bank on you being here? If you'll cook me some eggs with some bacon, I'll consider it. Um, I'll ask my wife. She's the one who does the cooking. I'll be right in front of the TV watching United's meltdown on Twitter um, when the team news is released. So on the team news, is there going to be any surprises? Or if team wins 9-0, surely it's physically impossible for Solskjaer to change it. Oh, you'd think he'd return with Paul Pogba to the midfield. Um, and against the more experienced sides, I'd like to see Nemanja Matic utilised. But in saying that, we've just spent a lot of this podcast praising Scott McTominay. So I think Pogba comes back in. Um, I think that's the one we can be more certain of. But, you know, I don't think there'll be any massive surprises. Um, Martial, whether he comes in or not will be interesting. I'd personally continue to leave him on the bench. But that's the only contentious position for mine. You don't think there's any contention with maybe playing Fred over Luke Shaw at left back? (laughs) I don't think so, mate. (laughs) <laughs> I thought he had a good little cameo there in the second half But um, yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing Fred at left back anymore um, Although he did look quite comfortable Except for the goal that was um, I'd say correctly called off for offside I'd say that tongue in cheek I don't know how that was um, given but thank Mate, God seriously? He, he, the gap between him was Was that Shay Adams? The, the yeah. gap between him was as big as the gap between Sydney and Manchester <laughs> yeah, he's, um, yeah, much better suited to midfield But um, we do love um, Fred So... Hopefully everyone enjoyed that podcast. Talk about nine goals. I know we didn't get through all the goals, but um, there just were too many. I cannot forget exactly what order they all came in. But um, it is just so refreshing to sit back and watch a game and just smile throughout it because there have been so... Well, this season there has been a lot of ups. There still have been a lot of downs and so much negativity surrounding the club. So when you do witness almost record-breaking numbers, the 9-0 performance sort of equals our Premier League record, which we did against Ipswich in '95. There should just be no negativity about it. People should just enjoy it. Forget it was against 10 men. Forget you know, Southampton aren't a title threat or it should have been better against 11 men. Just enjoy it. We scored nine goals and we moved joint top of the table for the time being. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. Revel in the positivity. And, you know, 21 might still be on. Right, fingers crossed. So hopefully everyone enjoyed that podcast. Please subscribe on your podcast app. Just so it pops up, you don't have to keep searching. And when it gets uploaded, you'll be notified and that you're still following on all our social media platforms. That would be great. And until then, Larry, um, I'll expect you over here Sunday morning for some brekkie and United vs Everton. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Cheers. Cheers.